You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. From Shakespeare to Schwartz. From Fosse to Alvin Ailey. From Sondheim to Borellis. From McNally to Fay. It happened to the greats. It still happens every day. When lightning strikes. It's the moment you know. When lightning strikes. Where you're meant to go. You can stand and shout your eagerness. This is Gerald Brunner, and you're listening to When Lightning Strikes, where we talk about the tingly, heart-stopping, mic-drop moments that led you to becoming an artist. Jacqueline Acevedo is a Grammy Award-winning percussionist and dancer who stars in David Byrne's American Utopia, currently on Broadway at the St. James Theater. She's worked with Jeremy Pelt, Alicia Hall Moran, and her mentor father, Memo Acevedo. She recently recorded the In the Heights movie soundtrack. Welcome. How Thanks, are you? Gerald. I'm so yes. good. It's so good to be here. It's such a joy to have you, especially since, God, I love American Utopia. It's such a special show. What is it like for you? to be in that show night after night? Well, you know, it's it's actually, um, it's really inspiring. It's so nice to be part of a, of, a, of a show where there's a very rich and deep feeling um, among all the castmates. And that's something that I really enjoy about this show. You know, we've come through a lot together. We had our, our first run, our limited run, um, you know, in 2019. And then we had the 18 months of pandemic. And during that time, you know, we would go on bike rides or, you know, just check in with each other and have these these times of um, uh, of connecting in this very strange time. And now to be back on stage with everybody is beyond like, I think, what we could have imagined and the feeling is just phenomenal. And I, I, and we all, we all feel that, you know, it's just something that we're really, um, we're happy to be back playing music, you know, doing what we love and, and making people also smile and happy and think and, you know, explore their imaginations. It's really a celebration. Yeah. You know, the show when I, when I saw it originally and then most recently, and I think that starts with you, that sense of joy. What went through your mind when you first heard about American Utopia? 
Well, I had seen American Utopia through my friend David Vieira, who originated the role. Um, and when it came to Broadway, he recommended me and a bunch of other percussionists. And I was so thrilled. I thought to myself, like, I want to do this show. I want to play with David Byrne. This is phenomenal. The music is beautiful. The concept is so original. Um, and this was just for me seeing a few clips, like on Instagram and um, different, you know, on YouTube and stuff like that. Um, so when I went in there, I was like, I really want to play this show. And uh, I got the job and I, you know, I auditioned percussion wise and, and also vocally. And um, then it was great to be able to also use my my dance background because um, Annie B, the choreographer, um, is so you know prolific and she just like she's endlessly creative. Um, so yeah, I was totally thrilled when I when I when I got this call and uh, you know and and it's continued to be such a such a delight. I spoke with Annie B. Parson right before the original Broadway run, and she talked about how important it was for all of you to be untethered. And can you talk about that? Because that to mm -hmm. me is so fascinating that you're literally, it's like you're flying on stage. You know, it's yes. really magical to see. I can imagine that's that's quite a feat. You know, I think about all of you and literally carry your instruments, but what that's like for you to not be hindered by any chords or anything on that stage. It's kind of fascinating in, in a couple of ways. I think for us as drummers, it might be a little bit different. You know, like a guitarist or bass player always has their instrument like strapped to them. Occasionally yeah. drummers, we will too, or we'll be holding our instrument. Like in the case of the pandero, the Brazilian, it looks like a tambourine, it's a Brazilian instrument. Um, but the conga, for example, like, so uh, Mark Edwards came up with this great system with the harnesses that are uh, Randall May harnesses. Um, who, you know, they do um, a lot of marching band um, stuff. So they do the harnesses for the marching band. But then Mark Edwards came up with this great locking system for the different instruments that we had to place on top of the harness, um, which weren't, you know, traditional instruments, you know, like quads or, you know, snares or whatever. Um, in my case, especially because I play 10 different instruments. So sometimes I'm playing congas mm -hmm. and I strap the conga onto the harness or I strap the, you know, surdo virado, which is like a big kind of bass drum with two um, heads on either side. Um, and I play bolasha too, which is also a big one. So I, got, I, I think I have the majority of like the big, massive instruments. <laughs> so the, the combination of it, like being untethered, but also tied directly to my instrument is is very it's kind it's kind of a unique feeling because it's it's at once freeing but also demanding right because you have to yeah. carry your you're carrying your instrument so um the great thing is not tripping over cables and monitors on the on the ground and none of those distractions and like david says like the most fascinating thing is to watch people's faces and i think that's one of the yeah. things that's so thrilling about our show is that it's very pared down. You have the chain that, you know, some people have said it looks kind of like water is very calming. Oh, nice. um, but, um, but yeah, but the, the, but the, the, the predominant thing is not the, the, the costumes or the, or the scenery, but it's like us playing and our faces, which David, you know, says um, in the show in that same section where he's talking about being untethered. Um, but at the same time, we're literally tethered to our instrument. <laughs> like we're literally locked in. We are, we become our very instrument. So wow. um, it's, 
it's freeing and also it's demanding. So I, I think that's like the best way to describe it. But um, we also are able to to move and dance in a way that, you know, we wouldn't be able to do that otherwise. You know, we'd have to stand in, in place and play our instrument wherever our instrument was placed with the monitors and all that. Um, so I love the concept. I think it's it's so great because it gives room for the choreography and it gives room for us to be able to just interact with each other as musicians in a different way. Like, you know, I can walk over to Bobby, the bass player, and we can like have a little moment and then walk away. Right. Like that wouldn't be possible in a typical scenario. So it's definitely fun. And it's it's just fascinating and fun and exhilarating to watch. I have so many more questions about the show, but I want mm -hmm. to talk about your lightning strikes moment when mm -hmm. you knew you had to be an artist. Yeah, man, you know, I was thinking about that and it was, it was kind of, it was a good exercise for me to think about that a little bit because the, the truth is, is that like, I grew up in an artistic family. And so I feel like there wasn't really a lightning strike moment and it kind of was, I was like, man, I really want a lightning strike moment. Like I want one of those, <laughs> one of those moments where I was like, you know, like my, my dad had that, like he, uh, he saw um, Buddy Rich playing on, in like a movie and he was like, oh my God, I have to do that. My dad's a drummer, right? Like, you, but he had one of those lightning strike moments. And I was like, I, I think for me, it was just a natural outcome. Like, you know, my, my, um, my great grandmother was a ragtime composer. I think if anything, like, okay, so that example of my, my great grandmother, so she, she composed, um, but in that time, you know, women really were not credited properly. A lot of times women's work was stolen. So my grandmother, you know, would, you know, sometimes my dad would like find her crying listening to this music because it would be on the radio and it would say, oh, this man had composed it when in fact she knew that her mother had composed that music. And there is like this pain associated with it. So when I think about that, I feel like, you know, that lightning strike moment probably happened more with my dad because of that injury of like, you know, um, my grandmother Carmenza not being properly um, credited, you know? Ah, oh, it's awful. But so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's, there's that, there's that moment um, for him. But for me, I just like, you know, I grew up in the arts. My, my dad was a drummer. He would come to the school and do like these, uh, you know, when you take, take your dad to work or whatever, you know, share your mm -hmm. talent or whatever. And he would come and bring instruments and teach the kids how to play percussion. And it was just very engaging. And I um, grew up also as a, as a dancer. So I was dancing my whole life and, you know, learning all these different art forms and super involved in the arts. And um, I grew up in Toronto. And then when I came to New York in high school, um, it just continued to, de to develop that. So I was involved in theater programs, after school programs and, you know, in arts, I was at an arts high school too. So, um, I, I can't say there was a lightning moment except for maybe like, I think during this pandemic, I definitely had a moment where I realized like, okay, I would combine it with these two things. So I, I studied journalism at one point when I went to college, yeah, I studied journalism and I loved it because I love getting to know people and have, doing like, you know, having these things like doing yeah. interviews and getting into the heart of things. And, um, but it was such a, it was such a lonely exercise because I was doing 
like written articles. And I think, Joe, yes. you know, you could probably attest to that. It was just like, it was very lonesome. And I think over my time of, of studying journalism and trying to go into it, I just really felt like this is too lonesome. I can't do this. I need to have interaction with other people. And I had had that experience from dance and from theater um, where it's a much more of a collaborative type of uh, exercise, which, you know, um, isn't, isn't for everybody. But I had that moment where I was like, no, I think I need to be in the performing arts. And it was funny because I also had that refreshment of that memory in during the pandemic, because a lot of us are used to like going out and being on the stage and having this, you know, wonderful experience of interacting with the audience and with the uh, with our fellow musicians, you know, and having like uh, my stage, the stage manager introduced me to this term, Dr. Lights, where you're not feeling great, but then when you go out on the stage, you feel the lights on you, and all of a sudden you're like, boom, you're there, you're fine, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and so I thought about that during the pandemic, and I was like, yeah, it just is, It's there's nothing to judge on it. It's not like, you know, because some people would be like, oh, you just want the attention, or just come come and look at me, but like, yeah, some people just are are made that way. We just need to have social interaction, and we need to be able to express ourselves um, artistically, um, on, on a stage instead of like in private, you know? Yes. Okay. Round two, name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But I'm curious, the, do you remember one of the first times you took dance, or were you kind of dancing before you were walking kind of thing or what what inspired you to take that class I mean a lot of kids I mean myself mm. included you know went into dance class I think mm-hmm. you know I I always loved dance watching dance thinking about and you know but was there was there a moment where you remember being in dance class mm. um like and and uh thinking oh yeah I love this or do you remember a performance you saw? I, I think, you know, now that you mentioned, I guess I, I think what it was is um, the classical music because I started in ballet um. and just the, the intensity of feeling and the drama of the classical music really pulled me into that. And I feel mm-hmm. like, that probably was one of my initial things. Like I started, yeah, I started really young. Um, I, my mom's great. She she noticed that like I would um, get more energy 
when I was actually doing stuff, like when I was dancing or I was moving around and I get less energy if I was just kind of still. So, you know, she's very intuitive and, you know, she put me in these dance classes, but I remember feeling and listening to like the piano music. And she told me actually, she was like, you were the first person who was like in our house, you know, you know, turning on classical music and like choosing classical music as like, you know, a little tiny kid. And I was like, really? She's like, yeah, yeah, seriously. You were there like, you know, and I remember, cause I love this, uh, Prokofiev, Romeo and Juliet. And I remember just like hearing the sound of it. And the actually the drums are very strong in that, you know? And it was like, I think it was one of those moments that probably was like a lightning strike moment that you're talking about, but is sort of sort of maybe pre-memory a little bit. Are you talking like three years old or like Yeah, probably like younger? four or five. Wow. Yeah. And then definitely I remember like actively selecting the music when I was like six and seven and being like, oh, I want to listen to some classical music now. And I just like, you know, listen to that in my, wow. in my bedroom. <laughs> what about the, the drums then? What about with percussion? Was it the kind of thing where I get your dad, I know your dad is, a, mm -hmm. did, did he give you instrument? Do you remember kind of the moments when you could pick up a drum and, figure out how to play it or was it just that was definitely, so part yeah. of your DNA? Yeah, I think that was definitely one where I was like, I was placed on the drum set as a little baby and I, and like would just, you know, be hitting these drums and, um, but it wasn't anything like studious until later in life. So when I was, uh, you know, I was a dancer for, um, for a while and then um, I sprained my ankle and then my dad was, was playing drums and I said, Hey, can I, can I learn some of this? Can I like ex explore this a little bit? And then I really got into the congas. I just loved the sound of the congas and, um, it's a very difficult instrument, you know, your, you know, your hands can bleed, you know, my, it was like, you play really hard, you can get like, you know, my dad, like get problem with your kidneys and like all this stuff. He's like, are you sure you want to play this instrument? It's very demanding. And, and I said to my dad, because my dad was like, it's very demanding, you know, and I, I said, I'm a ballerina. I can do anything, you know, like I was so <laughs> tough. <laughs> I was like, nothing's going to stop me. But um, but that was later. But so earlier in life, I would say, like, we always had drums and percussion around. My dad loved Brazilian music. He's Colombian himself. And so he played a lot of, you know, folkloric music and just explore all kinds of you know, we had like soul and funk and all of that um, playing in our house. Um, and at one point um, when um, we lived in the suburbs of Toronto, we uh, had a drum set in the basement and I would go down and just like wail on that. I really got into it when I was like um, 12 and tried to join band. And I mean, I did join band, but like they wouldn't let me play. Like there was like six boys who had all been playing for a long time. And I like elbow my way in there to try to get in there. And um, there's actually like a lot of, um, so the, the, uh, the band leader, finally I like made my way. I studied my chart. You know, I, I had been given this like, you know, music sheet um, to study and uh, did that with my dad at home, which was great. I had the, the advantage of that. Finally made my way to the drum set, like, you know, kind of, you know, got, got gutsy enough to get up there. 
And the um, the music director at the time, this was like, I think this was seventh grade. And he like, or seventh or seventh or eighth grade, I think it was like, he, no, it must be seventh grade. He embarrassed me in front of everybody. He's like, what, what do you think you're doing? You're not ready for this. And I said, no, I'm ready. I've been studying my music. I've been doing everything. And like completely like told me to get off the drum set that I didn't know what I was doing. Didn't even give me a shot. And it was so crazy because that was one of my first like notable experiences of, of serious chauvinism in the music industry. And it just totally turned me off. I was like, this isn't, this isn't cool. This isn't what I signed up for this guy. What's he even talking about? You know? And so it took me a while to come back to the drums because I had that experience as a girl. Um, and that's with, that's also with having a dad who's a professional drummer. So, you know, I know that, you know, it's been, it's been difficult for a lot of women. And I, I know I have, you know, the advantage of having a mentor and, you know, my dad who, um, you know, helped to, to support me and like pave the way. Um, but I, I, I do feel like things are changing and I'm very hopeful. Mm -hmm. I want to see that change, you know, for girls in the, in, in music and women in the music industry. And, um, even though I still see some things that are very, very disturbing, I'm hopeful that there's a change. You know, I see that in the Me Too movement and like in the jazz industry where, you know, they're, it's, it's, they've got a long way to go, you know, but, um, people are now becoming a little bit more aware and there's more accountability. Mm -hmm. And I think as we get towards that pathway, you know, we're going to be on a better path just creatively and musically. It's more, it's much more exciting, you know, when everybody can be involved. Um, and that's, that's one thing that I, I really like about our show. It's very, you know, creative and collaborative and there's a, a nice balance, you know, that, that we're come to. Yes. I love to see a, is it the bass player guitarist who's a woman? Yeah. Um, yeah. And Angie uh, Swan, she's the guitarist. The guitarist, forgive me. She's amazing. I mean, there's all Great. of it. Well, what, what gave you that, that awful teacher who was so clueless? What gave you the courage then to say, I'm going to keep going and I'm not going to listen. Yeah. That's incredible that you, after that. Well, you know, I stopped after that and I went into mm -hmm. choir. And I, but the great thing is I always had drums at home. So I had access, you know, and that's another thing we, we talk about. That's so important. Having access, like my dad was a drummer, so I had drums at home and, you know, and I had, you know, I could ask him if I had any questions or if I want to do this or that. Now I didn't have, a, I didn't have a way to play out because there wasn't like, you know, I couldn't play in the band or like I was just, you know, but it took years before, you know, I got back into it. And, um, I was like, you know, I basically, you know, I, I played a little bit on my own, like, you know, with my dad's drum kit, um, through high school, but in high school, I was very focused on dance at that point. And then after high school is when I started to, um, I asked my dad after I sprained my ankle and I couldn't dance as much. I, you know, I was like, I'm going to do with my time here. I've been doing hours and hours in the dance studio. And, uh, and I also thought like, man, music is so great because you can do it till you're like 98 or whatever, you know, your dance career is over at 30. So, you know, let me try something that's going to have more, um, like give me back more of what I put into it. And then you mentioned you came to, you went to New York after high school and when did you, how did you go from, you know, playing 
for yourself and in your in high school to becoming a professional? How did that trajectory happen? Yeah, so when I was in high school here in New York, I was just doing I was just dancing and I was like playing by myself. And then oh, so you're asking like after yeah, I did so what I did is I asked my dad if he would train me. And that point when I was talking about the um like, you know, he was telling me it's a very demanding instrument, and I was like committing to basically learning to do that. And that moment was like I had heard that um, Janet Jackson wanted to put an all-female band together. And I love Janet Jackson. And I was like, I want to play. So I started learning. And of course, it was like long before I could, you know, actually play because I had to do my years of training. But um, but yeah, I, I did the, I did that. Um, my, you know, I trained with my dad. I went to the Drummers Collective. Uh, my dad taught at NYU. So I went to NYU with him and his ensembles. Um, and then I just trained privately with, um, Johnny Almendra and a couple of other people, um, Yaroldi Abreu, who is also a, a really amazing, um, Cuban conga player and percussionist. Um, and yeah, what else, I mean, what else can I think of? I think it was just also, you know, and then I played in my, in my dad's band once I, you know, once I was ready, but I, I played with an all-female mariachi band, which is called Flor de Toloache. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and we just, you know, we, we toured around a lot and we uh, mixed basically mariachi with like funk and pop and all these different. So we're, we used to be called the medley queens because we put all these mariachi songs together with like Janelle Monet songs or like Led Zeppelin or, you know, Afro blue, you know. What was it like for your dad to see you in American Utopia? I think he's like, he's the best. He's so supportive. I think he's just really proud of me. And I, you know, I, I get so emotional. I can't even take it. It's too much, you know? Oh, sorry. No, no, it's good. It's good. Oh, I was going to say, yeah. He's so lovely. He's just, he's, he's always been very supportive and um, really helped me in any possible way that he could. And um, that's a very unique trait to have, period, you know, Uh, and in a parent too. What was the rehearsal process like? If you don't mind sharing. That was nuts because, as you know, the band had already been doing the show on tour. Um, and there also wasn't like um, an existing, really like an existing uh, video of the of the show. And also I was just following Davi's role. So sometimes there'd be video, but he, I wouldn't see where he was on the stage or like what he was playing exactly. So I had to, from this video, which was usually like, either a long shot or like something very specific, I would have to try to learn from, from the video. So the, the best thing was that um, uh, Lizzie DeMent, who is the um, assistant to Annie B, um, an amazing dancer in her, in her own right. She's part of um, big dance theater. Um, and they're doing a show at, at BAM actually coming up November, November 30th through December 5th. Um, but she helped me, a great deal. So I met with her one-on-one for uh, a day for us to go over just choreography um, and where to stand <laughs> and where to move. The other part that was difficult was, um, you know, she would know the, the dance or the choreography, but figuring out 
how to get in and out of the chain and the masking to get the correct instrument to, you know, do my transitions. Cause I played 10 different instruments on the show. Um, that was a whole other thing to learn. Um, and so I basically, you know, when I got the schedule, I was like, whoa, because I had basically like a week to learn everything before we did our first show in Boston. Yeah. Oh, goodness. I was like, gulp. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, I have to like, you know, just trust, you know, my hands and my feet have been trained and, you know, just go in there full throttle. But it definitely was super intense that first week um, learning everything um, from from scratch, you know. And then also the video that I had seen, of course, was not the final was not the um, Broadway production because it was the concert and the concert actually was very different than the Broadway production. You know, later on, you know, uh, David worked on the, um, the, the, the script with the assistance of um, Alex Timbers and they have a lot more talking and like sort of, sort of a storyline, like a little bit linear. Right. But uh, like these different concepts that David talks yeah. about um, in the show, which, you know, you've seen the show, it makes it very interesting um, that we're not in the concert. Um, and so, you know, there was a, a, a lot of, a lot of learning to be done. <laughs> I love that there, I mean, are 10 instruments that you play. Why is that? Is it because of the different sounds yeah, um, so I do like a percussion track. So there's yeah. six drummers. Um, and I would say like two of the drummers are like very much like the drum set players, and two of the drummers mostly do percussion, and then the other two kind of go between, you know, both. Um, so between all six of us, we make the sound of a drum set, or at times two drum sets, and various percussion players. So, you know, I'm doing a, a percussion track. Of course, I, I play things with sticks as well, but um, I think it just comes from, from my background because I, you know, I play a lot of percussion instruments. And so, you know, they were able to, to fit me in there um, playing that, that variety of instruments. And because you're a dancer, did they add choreography into your track? I yeah, love yeah, yeah. that. I, I know the best. I know I love it too. <laughs> My first rehearsal with Annie B, uh, she said the best thing to me. So we were walking in the hall. I was just like before we even got started, we were walking in the hall, or maybe it was like the second. I think it was the second day of group rehearsals, and so we were walking in the hall, and she stops and she's like, she turns her head and she like closes her eyes and like puts her hand out at me like like stop like don't she's like stop she's like I can't even look at you I'm so happy that you're here <laughs> I love that story because first it's so her and second of all I was so happy to be there too so it felt so great to have that you know reciprocity and just to be able to do her choreography which is so unique you know and um it's it's her choreography is interesting because it, at once it looks like something that like, it's very much like percussion. So I'll say this, it's at once something that looks so simple that everybody can do it. And to a certain extent, that's true. But the finesse with which it, 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 it ought to be done 
So say, for example, the way that like Chris and Tendai do the choreography, um, they make it look super simple, but it's very complicated. It's very complicated. But if you take, if you extract something like I love, you know, David does, uh, did this interview with uh, Stephen Colbert recently, and he taught him some of the dance moves. And, you know, there's like these, these dance moves that are totally doable. But when you combine them in the way that NEB combines them, just one after another, um, it really requires a great deal of skill. So when I entered into that to, to, to learn her choreography, I could see that. I could just because, you know, I have training. So I was like, oh, this is one of those things that looks simple, but it's actually very complex. And I feel like that was very relatable because people always feel that about drums. Everyone thinks that they can drum, which I kind of agree with. Everyone can, can drum to, to a certain extent. I'm not being a snob about it. It's just like, but there are some complicated things about drumming that you don't realize how complicated they are until you have training or until you're actually in it trying to make those sounds the same way that with Annie B's choreography, once you're in it trying to make those moves, you're like, Oh yeah, this, this has a certain exacting um, finesse that's required for this and training that's required for this. Um, but I was so, so interested and so down to explore what it was that she, um, that she created. And so I got to be part of, um, uh, born under punches i get to just do exclusively choreography after you know we do these band intros so that's really nice and then there are other parts where you know she added me in and added some more choreography bits for me so that was what really wonderful oh yeah it's so thrilling i mean i see that each of you has your own you know, vocabulary if you will and then it's this beautiful kind of symphony how you all meld together, you know, with dance and song and music. And that's what makes it so exquisite. How, if somebody, at, they, you all go, if somebody were to ask you, what is, what is American Utopia about? What would you say? I mean, I have a lot of ideas in my head and I think that's the magic of it. You know, it's about, to me, it's about birth and life and connecting, and um, I know those are very vague and broad, but um, yeah, I wonder how you see it. You're living yeah. it. You know, when we did the first run of American Utopia at the Hudson, when we were doing it, while we were doing it, it always had this feeling to me of being ahead of its time in terms of its themes and things it was discussing and, you know, ways that we were exploring story even. Um, on a Broadway stage. And now coming back to it, it's almost like it's settled into its time in a different way. You know, post-pandemic, after the Black Lives Movement protests and all the things that we went through in the summer of 2020 and that, you know, things that have to be addressed that, you know, have just been swept under, under the carpet for so long. Um, now it feels like people get it in a different way and we all as a culture get it in a different way. Um, and it seems to, to me, you know, like, you know, it was definitely ahead of its time when it, when it started and now it's like things are catching up. So I, I feel like it has that very unique place in our, in our culture in this moment. I think you really hit on something very important that it's, you know, American Utopia is about opening up, minds to explore ideas, opening up people's minds to explore 
new possible pathways. And, you know, David talks about this in the beginning, how in order, in order to make sense of the world, a baby's brain, you know, cuts off certain pathways and like, you know, neural pathways in order to make sense of what's going on around them. Who's this? Who's that? Who's, you know, gonna, you know, protect me or who's going to help me? Who's my parent? Who's my friend group or whatever. And it's like, I think the idea here is to sort of open up our minds and create a, a conscious moment now as adults where we can begin to reconnect those things that that maybe are, are mysteries. And some of those things may remain mysteries, but having an openness to exploring. And that's what I love about the show because I feel like there's a combination of like exploring through joy, through sound, through music, through play. And I think that's one of the things I love the most about being an artist. The moment I forget that being an artist is about play is the moment that I don't do very well, you know, and, 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 and the, and others don't do very well, you know, when it becomes about anything else. And it's like, no, it's almost like, you know, we have to remind ourselves we play music. <laughs> we don't like do music or, or, um, I don't know, uh, construct music. No, we are playing music. And I think that that is what's so beautiful about being an artist of any kind. And also in particular in this, in this show is like, we have to allow ourselves to play and open up those childlike pathways that create a possibility for a new new worlds really that's so beautiful i think about how profound especially see at this time the the concept of connecting was and david mentions it you know how we're all together and what a joy that is and how magical something mm -hmm. you know i took certainly took for granted mm -hmm. you know pre-pandemic just the simple act of experiencing this together yeah. was so profound and so beautiful. And then I also love that you have um, uh, election, uh, or I love the fact that you have voter uh, registration in the yeah. lobby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is so great. It's great. It's great. He's been doing that for a while. And then he also has like reasons to be cheerful. <laughs> you know, the pod, the um, website and podcast. And so it's, it's inspiring to see things changing a little bit at least, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Is, is it hard to describe how you feel after the show? How, how, and how do you come down after? Oh, that's, that's the age old question. No, you're right. <laughs> that's the, that's the age old question. And I would like somebody to answer me that I want to know the answer. Cause I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't figured that out yet. <laughs> I get so amped. I mean, yes, of course, you know, it's, it's, it's work and the body is like, you know, tired after doing shows, especially when we do our double show or our, our weekend, right. Where we do Friday and then two on, on Saturday. Um, but yeah, I, I don't have the answer to that. I would like, if you do find that out, Gerald, please tell me because <laughs> that's one thing I have not figured out. And it's hard now because like, there's not as many places to hang in New York. Like New York is the city mm -hmm. that sleeps now. Like things, so many things closed, you know, and so many things close early, even if they're not closed down, thank God, you know, but, um, 
things close really early. So, you know, our, our show starts at eight, we're out, you know, kind of 10, 10 30. And then it's like, you have maybe an hour left before everything starts to, to shut down. So, you know, normally we'd be able to go out and hang with people and, you know, see friends and, you know, other, other uh, performers or whatever. But, but now it's, it's, it's definitely like, there's still some things about the pandemic. And I'm like, I can't wait till it's like done, done. And I'm hopeful for that, for that day. I miss seeing people's smiles. That's the thing I miss the most right now when I'm on the stage and I see people out there and I try to see their eyes squinting with the smile, but it's, it's, it's tough, you know? And I, I thought about that early on about like, like babies when they, when they see all these people's with people with masks because they learn so much at that early age about facial expression and recognition there. I read something about how they, there's like tens of thousands of expressions that they learn as infants um, and how that might be hindered in, you know, in their, in their, um, in this time when we're, we're wearing masks, but I feel it on the stage in a very, you know, like, I guess, you know, now I'm an adult, so it's not going to like affect me as much, but I miss seeing people's smiles yeah. so much. How do you prepare for the show? Yeah, the show is, is demanding. So I make sure to do, I do my yoga stretches. I do breathing exercises, um, you know, uh, hair and makeup, um, warm ups, you know, percussion warm ups. I have a, a drum in my, in my dressing room that I cover with a towel for the sake of my, my dear castmates so that they don't have to hear all the drumming <laughs> like full volume. But yeah, I generally, that's, that's how I prepare, you know, every day before the show. Do you, do you have a, like a fantasy, um, I, do, show that you would love to be in you talked about different shows or something you know hopefully this will play a very 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 long time yeah is there a, a, or genre or composing or anything like that that you and it also what's so amazing is that like you said you get to you sing you dance right? mm -hmm. you you mm -hmm. uh you obviously play percussion. Mm -hmm. but is there something you're aching to do yeah, I mean, there's there's a couple things. I mean, I'd love to play with Lizzo, and there's a few other artists, you know. I mean, I'd love to play with, like, Shaka Khan or something, too. But <laughs> um, I feel like there's so many, you know, people I still want to play with and, like, tours that I want to do. And, you know, in terms of, like, you know, I still want to continue. I love I love playing music, but I also don't want to lose the, the, the dance and the, the acting, you know, background that I come from. So I feel like those are things that I want to explore definitely a little bit more in the, in the coming years. Um, so yeah, I kind of want to do it all. <laughs> I imagine you can. Well, it's so wonderful to talk to you. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you, Gerald. It's been so great to be here with you and, and talk about these things. Thanks again. Have a great day. All right, you too. Still happens every day. When lightning strikes, it's the moment you know. The theme song was written by Tom McGovern. This episode was edited by Kyle Moore. And the talent was booked by Anna Strauss. 
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.